motherfucking June. Yay. <laughs> it is the New Utah Podcast, episode 158. Is that right? It is correct. I can tell summer is upon us because the juggling pirate was out by the Walmart. He was. He was. He's been out. <laughs> uh, he's been out for a few weeks, actually. Um, El pirato juggling. So he's not always dressed like a pirate, by the way, and he's not always juggling. There's like a whole pile of shit that he brings, and I swear to God, he's a sign twirler for Great Clips down by Harmons. He might be because I, I see a sign every once in a while. But that that guy, he also works over by the Harmons sometimes on that grass that's there uh, off the side of Harmons. He juggles that grass. Yep. Juggling pirate clowns in Kearns. Only in Kearns. <laughs> that's not true. They exist elsewhere. Um, this is a podcast all about Utah. If uh, you're tuning in for the first time, congratulations. Hopefully you'll listen to at least one other episode. Wow. I can't remember the last time you told anybody what our podcast was about. I figure occasionally people, if you read the show notes, you would really not always understand what we talk about. (laughs) Um, but it is all about Utah and the awesome stuff in Utah. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. Um, the guy that loves my uh, juggling pirate, the Kearns pirate is, uh, Jeremy. Howdy. That's his official name. Yeah, that that the voice, Kearns the, Kearns the Kearns juggling, juggling pirate. pirate. That voice there is uh, Jess, the uh, the now ready blonde, blondie red, bloody blonde. I'm not sure what to call you. She changed her hair, folks. It's like Black Widow on Endgame. Yeah, but is it a bloody blonde? Is that what you it's call that? Ombre. I called color melts. Yeah, bloody blonde color melt. Like it's blonde that bleeds into your head. <laughs> or your head's bleeding out, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm 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 trying too hard here. And then the other person that's in the room with us right now is is Bree. Hello. I like her. So she got this sunburn. I got to tell you guys this. So. Oh my god. So on on uh, Saturday, uh, we were out doing a ton of work uh, on the yard, and then cleaning out the garage uh, for our annual like pre summer garage cleanup. Cause you know, in the winter in Utah, you get all the dirt and salt and all the shit on your garage floor. And like, you're not out there like doing anything for long periods of time cause it's cold. And so it gets all disorganized. So we do a bunch of yard cleanup, you know, mow the lawn cause I haven't mowed it in a couple of weeks and weed whack and breeze pulling weeds. So anyway, um, the next, uh, it was the next morning, right? Or was it later that night? And it was later that night. Brie comes, she comes over to me and she goes, I think I got sunburn on my back. She's like, I don't know how. I kept pulling my shirt down, but I think I got sunburn on my back. So she pulls up her shirt and like right above her waistline is this like triangle that looks, (laughs) it looks like her panties sunburned her. But if her panties were like up six inches, (laughs) like it's like a, it's like a bathing suit tan line but the bathing suit is the sunburnt part and up higher it's like this weird like i don't know how she got the triangle right on her back um but it was it was entertaining to today's me. kind of the first day when i've been that i've been able to wear like real clothes and lean back against things uh-huh. dresses dresses were the order of the day <laughs> and like she she's she got she got out of the shower what sunday saturday night and she just didn't put on pants <laughs> so um, anyway, so that was, uh, I, that was part of my weekend. I also went to, uh, what garden store is that? Western gardens. I think the, the, I don't know. I think it was Western gardens. They have an event center and they have a nursery. Went and got some new, uh, starts because birds have eaten all my fucking cucumber plants down to the stem, like down to the 
three of my cucumbers have been eaten as well. Fucking assholes. What the hell is with their... Well, and they didn't... They probably didn't even eat them. They're probably using them for nests. Maybe. Uh, that's that's what, what the guy at Western Garden I said. I said they've, they've just... They're, like, gone down to the dirt level. You can see the stem in the dirt, like, at the level of the dirt. He goes, oh, that's birds. It was like, they just clip them off and take them to their nests. Yeah. Motherfucking birds. Three so, of my cucumbers, exact same thing, gone. Little baby ones. Mm-hmm. So starts, yeah. the, the downside is, the Jap- uh, not the Japanese, the Armenian cucumbers that they had were all about the same size. So I'm keeping a real close eye on them uh, to make sure the birds don't fucking get those. They might be a little bit bigger than what I had, but not You can much. always put a tomato cage over it and then some, some netting. netting. Yeah, and that's that's what I I may do. Uh, the others that I got are are quite a bit bigger. So I got he get he told us to get this one type of cucumber that has a very thin um, skin skin and not hardly any seeds. He said they're amazing. He's like you eat them like an apple. So they're really good. I eat them like apples anyway. So and then I got a couple different peppers, some some shishito peppers and some uh, bell pepper plants. Yummy. So we'll see how all that stuff grows. We'll see if it comes in. The potatoes are doing great. Now the sun's out. Things are on my garden, though, now that there's some sun, things are really starting. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of water for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot of sun, so I don't think things took off as, as quickly. So hopefully, yeah, the next couple of days will we'll bring really, really big growth. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny true. how fast plants grow, too. It's really... Just the right amount of water and sun, and they take off. So... I wish I could grow like that. Actually, I don't because I'm already too fat. <laughs> grow up. Um. So, Jeremy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know what? You know what is amazing with how close we watch all of the legislative stuff. How did we miss that, or was it just me that missed it? So, to back up, uh, Father's Day is coming up, as we know. So. I'm getting ready to put together a cigar order, and it's not that I don't love supporting local, because I do love supporting local. It's just because of the way things are, the selection is relatively limited, and the cost is really high to buy much local. So I And what Jeremy's talking about is to buy cigars, cigars, Cigars. So I've ordered them online for, I don't know, last eight to ten years. So I go to order them online. I go through my, my typical order. I go through the whole thing. I get to the end where it says, check out. This great big red sign comes across the screen. We no longer ship to Utah. And I'm like, what? Yeah, that was buried in the legislation where they changed the tobacco usage. Um, it was in that bill, I believe. So January 1st. I'm not really surprised. I, I'm actually surprised. I was surprised when you first told me you order cigars that we could have them shipped into the state. Yeah, Chris had never done it before because he didn't know that you could. Because I, I was shocked that we allowed that it. That we could, yeah. It's big tax money, man. It's big tax. That's what it's all fucking oh, about. Oh, I know. It's all about the money. It's all tax dollars. Because it's so, so to, to a perfect example, a sampler pack, the six sampler pack at Tinderbox is about 30-ish. Yeah, for the, for the CAOs. The CAO sampler pack is about 30-ish, give or take. At which, is, which is kind of a ridiculously high price. Online, 20. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know it's not, it's not, it's not the local guy's fault, and I get that, and I do want to support them, but at the same time, when you can get so much cheaper online. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a Two thirds of the price is is pretty Result. crazy. So, um, but I mean, they just give us an excuse to go down to the not even the tinderbox, but go to uh, Beehive. Beehive. So, I, so just to just to see, even though I knew what the answer was going to be, I did go to a couple other places, and same thing. You go all the way through. I wish they'd tell you before that though, because you have to go all the way through, get your order all set up, and then you go to where you put in your credit card information, and that's when it tells you can't ship to Utah. We no longer ship to Utah. It's like ah. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, and they kind of have to do that. So, uh, but maybe, maybe, uh, if you guys go with us this weekend, um, we can stop by, uh, Beehive. So I just, I'm, I'm just blown away how we missed that. But with all the, it must have been buried. I'm telling you, it was in that, that tobacco legislation. We must just, the, the big news was changing the age to 21. Because I know we talked about it even and we looked at it, but I totally missed that part of it. So. So I'm sure I'm sure the tender boxes and the beehives are are very happy. Oh yeah, and and once again I I'm all about supporting local and truly I am. It's just frustrating that it's yet another yeah Utah legislation big brothers watching issue. Anyway, so enough poo poo on Utah for now, <laughs> Jess. I want your report on Pride because you spent all day Sunday and did you spend all day Saturday downtown as well? Yes, I do. Because <laughs> I'm not, like, I love Pride, but it's just, that's too much for me. I've never been on Saturday before. That was the first. So they had record break, record breaking numbers, which you could fill. That's freaking awesome. Um, well, it is, but it isn't because the space is so small. They went to capacity, and, right? Uh, yeah, they sold out on Saturday. And so, um, like, it was perfect weather. It got rained out on Saturday. Like, I left right as the storm was coming in. Um, and I don't did know, it rain I know. super hard there? Because oh, yeah. it didn't rain hard yeah. here. Complete downpour. Like it was like thunder and lightning. and uh, Very, very frightening. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was weeding and Chris kept saying, aren't you coming in? I'm like, eh, it's not raining hard enough to make me stop. It sprinkled slightly here. Yeah, that's, that was yeah it wasn't terrible. But yeah, I got some cool. We got some, a good thunderstorm, though, over the weekend. Yeah. I look. I I love pride, but it's really hard. First off, I hate parades. It doesn't even matter. I hate fucking parades. Are, I'm not a parade fan, um, but I've been, um, and I love pride. But it's, I'm almost forty, and I can't fucking handle crowds like that. They just give me way too much anxiety now. Like a concert is really hard for me to do. It's the high energy crowd. I just can't. I can't handle that many people in that close proximity. Like Walmart, I it, <laughs> Walmart fucks me up, and that's not even close to the same number of people at Pride. <laughs> I think Walmart has a way of doing that to most people. Well, that's true. That's true. But like like Disneyland, I can't fucking handle Disneyland. It was like not. There were times where I just had to walk away and just go find a space with no people in it for a few minutes because I can't do it. So, what were some of the highlights, yeah. Jess? Other than the the rain out, you got to help uh, during for Miss uh, City Weekly, right? I did. Yep, that was cool. Um, so I just don't understand why, if they're expecting capacity, that they don't take advantage of Library Square. We waited an hour and a half for food. It was <gasps> ridiculous. Like That's it really just. Bad. Fortunately, the weather was nice, so it wasn't like. You were standing in ninety to hundred degrees, like well, they have normal, like but the they have to reserve all that space, and there's probably some limitation, right? No, it goes. No. All of the festivals go clear in the library they, square. They shut down that road for like the whole week prior well, yeah, to but, the festival, but and mean they mean use it for staging. Just, so, just because they go all the way in there for other festivals doesn't mean that it doesn't cost something to actually extend. Right, but if, uh, if they're selling coming, sixty thousand tickets and selling out, I'm pretty sure that they could accommodate that space did they know it was going to be that big that early on though like to, to it grows every year i mean it's the largest pride parade in the country i guess we'll see next year if they uh they extend the space properly. i just i don't know where else they could move um harriet winston and i were talking about it when we were walking around and 
there's, I mean, there's not really anywhere else to go. If you moved it over to the fairgrounds, it kind of defeats the purpose of having the parade downtown. Um, but then I was talking to someone else about maybe, um, like putting it over to um, Liberty Park and moving the parade because like Days of 47 Parade comes down State Street and turns on 9th South I think and ends the, over there. They could do the parade on 7th would be cool too. That's a yeah. good parade route. Anyways, just I don't have any say. In any, I don't, these are just the things I think. Well, about. and I don't think, look, I, I think first off the fairgrounds is just a bad idea. I think part of, part of, pride is being in the city center right and and, and being well, you able to leave be the parade you're like three blocks away from the parade and you just walk down to the festival it's always been part of yeah. like well, and the it's, fun and it's and it's part of the fun is all the local businesses that are very supportive and and all the stuff that it does for downtown i mean it's right not, it's not even just every about bar pride, was packed like yeah exactly like the beer bar changed themselves to the bear bar for a little while and uh you know that's, I mean, that's the kind of fun that, that occurs. It's the same result. argument that the farmer's market has. We don't want to be in the fairgrounds. Nothing against the fairgrounds, but you want to be It's not downtown. really the city center. Yeah, it's not like the fairgrounds. I'm we were sorry. just trying to think of somewhere else that it can grow. Liberty yeah. Park was the only place we could come up with that was still kind of downtown. Is it big enough? Is Liberty Park big enough, though? Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, well, I know. It's like... Th- what two, four, like six probably, square blocks? Yeah, because it goes it fun. goes from what ninth to thirteenth. Plus, you have all the inside roads. Like, yeah, it would be fine. Yeah, so that I mean, there's potential there, and I know Liberty Park can hold that many fucking people because um, uh, Pioneer 20th. Day, mm-hmm. the twenty fourth, they shut off all the roads around it, and yep. it's fucking chock full of people that park six miles away and walk. So yep. There is that. I mean, I guess that's a that's a real, and it's still really it's downtown. So there's still some options there. That's a good point. Just a thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know that they could do it up at the U. I mean, there's the space up there. I don't think that's an appropriate place though either. I don't. I think that's too too far away. Kinda. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I know that the U is downtown, but I don't really think of it as part of downtown. It's a college campus. So anyway, that's really cool. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the a little report there. My feeds on it everything. was really not much of a report. It was just my Sorry. negative feedback. <laughs> no, it's fun. <laughs> you had fun though, right? Negative feedback aside. Um. No. It was an interesting weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my feed was filled with with pictures and videos of people enjoying Pride, which I thought was great. But Julia was there with some of her friends and taking lots of pictures, and she said she had a great time. Yeah, it's just not for me. There's just too many damn people for me. Like that's so the 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 concert series the Twilight concert series, when it first started, I went. Don's got to see the Roots and like some other great bands, and then it got I couldn't handle like going to the Galvin Center to see those bands. And then when they moved it to Pioneer Park, it wasn't any better. It was still fucking way too many people for me. So it was out I'm out. <laughs> it was it was a little bit much. Like and crowds don't generally bother me. Like I've been to Times Square on New Year's Eve. By myself, that it doesn't bug me, but it was it was a lot of people for that space. I was on the strip for New Year's Eve uh, in '99 in Vegas, but I was like way younger and could totally handle it. I don't know <laughs> if I could do that this time around. Uh, plus, I go to bed before midnight, so. <laughs> um, okay, so there's there's some other events coming up though, right? Um, I put a couple on here, but I don't want to steal your thunder. I know, and you didn't even link to it. I had to like 
deep dive into finding it. So well, yeah, I just I, I actually just put them down because I, I when I was thinking about them, I'm like these are cool events that I think need to be on here. Whether whether you put them on or not, and I think we talked about like we beer before. Uh, we did last year. Yep. Um, so a reminder. All the markets open this weekend. Eagle Mountain opens this weekend. Oram opens this weekend. Um, the Downtown Farmers Market Park Silly opened last weekend, but now it's on the Sundays. So if you want a Sunday market, you can go drink at. And almost every Sunday, right? There's three weekends that they have yeah. to not drink. Yes. Fucking stupid ass laws. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Daybreak is now doing a farmer's market on Saturdays. So um, if you want some, some fresh um, cancer-filled produce. From the day daybreak tailings ponds, <laughs> that's not true. That's not who's going to be bringing the produce. Um, but you know, maybe you should give your kids healthy stuff because they're going to get cancer if you live in daybreak. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Look, every place that's ever been built on old like shit industrial property, and they're right on the fucking base of the tailings of of Kennecott, like. There's a lake there. I don't know if I would get in the Ochre Lake, the little man-made lake that they have there. I'd be a little scared of that. Um, but yeah, scared. Liberty. Li- don't be scared. Oh yeah, and Liberty. Sorry. Li- Liberty also. Liberty speaking is Liberty. on Friday. Yep. Um, so I think we're all going to go to the market. Um, I don't know. Bree is organizing with like 30 people and saying we're going to be at the market. You guys should meet us somewhere. But I think we're going to go, and then we're going to go up to Ogden afterwards, so I can play magic with Mark and Brandy. So maybe well, while you're in Ogden, maybe you can go to Ogden Uncon. Oh, that's this weekend, isn't it? It's this weekend. The Scottish Festival is also this weekend. So <sighs> I've always wanted to go uh, to the They have Scottish a band. Festival. They have a band that is playing that they look like Voltron. They're like, <laughs> I can't remember what they're called. At the Scottish Festival? No, at Ogden at Uncon. Uncon. Yeah, I can't remember what they're called, oh, but they look awesome. Is it up at the Golden Spike? Uh, no, it's at the um, Egyptian, Perry's Egyptian. Oh, remember that's we right, talked that's about right. that? That was like almost a year ago. It was like six months ago, right? It was like February. Yeah. That's only four months ago. <laughs> it was like a year ago. Look, when you do one show a week, <laughs> time melds together very really quickly. February when we went up there to Ogden? No, I just remember it wasn't a cold month. Roughly. I don't have to remember because <laughs> I didn't drive. And it was hellacious because fucking drive, getting up there and like the work thing, and getting up to Ogden and somehow managed to make it on time, so... Well, um, next weekend is your, that you put on here is the we, and it's W-E-E, like a little man. Like we bear. A little lady. We bear bears. We bear bears. bears. Um, so it's the fifth annual and it's at, it is, that one is at the Golden Spike. We bear. That's on the 15th and it's a beer fest. They will have upwards of 45 local brews, food trucks, games. Um, depending upon how many drink tickets you want, tickets are anywhere from 12 to $30. Um, That's pretty fucking cool. I mean, if you want to really experience what Utah has to offer in the way of beer, this is a fantastic place to go. Well, we have a couple more coming up this summer that will be awesome as well. So, like, okay, because the City Weekly Beer Fest, mm-hmm. huge event, but... I mean, it's a good way to see other beers, but it's been like crazy sold out really fast. It will not be this crazy up at Wee Beer, I don't think, because it's because it's, it's not stuff, in Salt Lake. It's still fairly new too. So, and we'll be talking to, um, I believe I I don't know if he's an organizer or what of the Utah Beer Fest in August. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Is he going to bring us beer? From I could ask. <laughs> um, 
so festival season is in full force. Uh, the Blues Fest is the 14th. The Asian Fest is the 15th. There was a lot of fests. I didn't write them all down. <laughs> um, but I did think that this was an important article that showed up in my email today that the Timp Cave and its new center will be opening on June 19th. Hooray! It's been closed for... About a year. Yep, about a year. And four months. Um, so it's still not completely done um, because they have to get like five straight days of hot weather so they can lay the pavement. Yeah, I was going to say like, is the, the, are the roads still really fucked up going up there? Because when I came down, they were just starting to tear them up. We went through the loop one weekend. Uh, I would assume so because that was probably what, like late summer, early fall last year. Yeah, it was like yeah. August, I think. Yeah, I would imagine so. So the, I thought this was an interesting fact because I didn't know this. The building that was there, the trailer, was only supposed to be a temporary building because um, the original center burned down 27 years ago. And so that trailer has been the the center for 20 for wow. like, since 1991 so now they will have now they'll have an official welcome center at the bottom of Timpanogos and that will open the 19th and it's a it's national or is it just a state monument i can't remember Timp is just a state, state park this is why federal government should have control of these things i'm just kidding I don't. Know. I really don't know. I'm excited because I I've actually never been in that cave. I'd really That's like really to go cool. through it. Um, and I still I want to achieve. And if you want another cool and go up to Idaho to Minnetonka, that one's cool too. And nice. that one you have to climb like 500 stairs. It's pretty rad. I've been to Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. Those are that is like unreal. That's just such an amazing cave system. Um. Wow, there was going to be something else oh, I, I say. I'll say something. So, um, a couple of things of note. Um, Starbucks is opening its first store in Provo. Across from BYU. Yeah. It's pretty much amazing. <laughs> Which is, I mean, there's other coffee shops there. It's but. true, but like, I mean, the closest Starbucks was at the top of the hill on university, so. It's okay. Starbucks sucks. It's gross. Uh, the second cool thing I th- wanted to make mention of, so Spencer Cox announced his candidacy for governor for 2020 and yesterday he announced an initiative that he is going to be stopping in every city in the state and doing a service project so that's cool if you live in a city and you have a something you want to do that means he's not going to be lieutenant governing at all (laughs) there's a lot of towns in this fucking state some are like so there's two 248 is how many stops he has planned so yeah and he already started yesterday that's like, that almost eats up a year. That's pretty it? much, I, mean, I think it's so awesome. I think they're, I mean, I would assume they're doing multiple cities. So this is a, this is a Republican so. I'll probably vote for because I doubt yeah. we'll have a candidate that impresses me as much as I like this guy. So Spencer Cox is pretty fucking cool. Well, he's pretty he crosses badass. the aisle and that's what I look for in a candidate. Yeah. So I just like how others. he treats people. Yeah, he's, he's he is one of the most moderate conservatives I've I've seen in the state of Utah. And that's, you know, that's actually pretty common in the state. Like Herbert's for all of his stupidity, is very moderate. Like, he, he does veto shit that the crazies on Capitol Hill pass. So. Also, Jason Chaffetz said he's not running, which everyone's like, why is this news? I'm like, this is huge news. It's, it's really not news. He's got a cushy job as a fucking analyst for Fox. I know, but he was still on the list of potentials, so it's nice to see him not I'm on. fucking potentially running. That list is huge. 
It could be like the Democratic primary for 23 for the Jesus mayor. Nice, man. Salt Lake mayor. <laughs> like, yeah, like fucking yeah. 500 Six for that. people. Because everyone's like, well, Biskupski's not going to stick around. Well, she already said she I wasn't know. going to. Well, <laughs> what did she, she really have a choice? I mean, I guess she could have tried sure. to run with six people and everyone hating her on the council, but the council pretty much hates her guts. And I blame to all of them. They fucking all hate her. They all vote against her all the time. Uh, the Inland Port thing really fucked her up. The handling of that was just horrible. <sighs> Is that Gangster's She's Paradise? Still a person. I don't think no, it's, it's Gangster's Paradise because this is a Falk <laughs> Hogan station. Uh, Falk Hogan, by the way, the people that do our intro and outro music for, for those of you that don't know. Um, I just want to talk about a couple pieces of news uh, before we uh, before we get to talking to our guest today. I want to tell a funny story first. Do you know the funny story I'm going to tell? It has to do with our daughter's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so Let me start by saying... No, go ahead. <laughs> so I have a tradition that I do not wish my children happy birthday until their time of birth. So Cassidy was born at 4.09 p.m. So she pretty much goes all day without getting happy birthday from me. But Sean was born at 12.45. And so at 12.45, I wished her happy birthday. And I was busy downstairs in our training room. And so I didn't want to post anything on Facebook till I personally wished her happy birthday because I usually don't post things on Facebook. So if, I, if you're an actual friend of mine, I will send you a text. I won't post it on Facebook. Um, if you're just kind of an acquaintance and I don't know you very well or I don't have your number or something, that's when I post on Facebook. But so I came upstairs and got busy and kind of forgot. And Cassie texted me and she's like, she, she texted me and her dad and said, Hey, don't forget because Sean's Sean remembers you posted for my birthday. It's like, Oh, I even took a picture and everything that I could post. So I had it like it already. I just hadn't done it. So I post it and then go about my day. And then I get a call from Sean and she's like, mom, you need to go look at my Facebook page. You need to go. So I go and look, her dad has posted a happy birthday and he has posted it with a picture of Cassidy, her <laughs> sister. So crazy. And he doesn't know how to take it down. So now he's like been posting other pictures on her wall saying like, oops, and, and like, I love you and things like that. Now, luckily, she thinks it's freaking hilarious, but she had a request. She's like, mom, I need you to go on there. I need you to comment. I can't really put my finger on what's wrong with this picture. So I said something like, I can't put my finger on what's wrong with this. Or no, I said, I can't put my finger on it. But Chantel really looks a lot like Cassidy in this picture. But they're giving him all... I've been on a, a text chain with them and they've just... Uh, Cassidy's just been giving him such a raft of shit because his dad is the grandpa that always mixes them up and doesn't... Has given them a birthday card with the other girl's name on it. Their birthdays are six months apart, by the way, uh, so. with the other girl's name on it. They're his oldest grandchildren by a lot. So, I mean, Don's, I think, was literally like, ah, panic. I haven't, you know, posted and I don't want her to feel bad. And, oh, crap, now I've grabbed the wrong picture and I don't know how to fix it. And so in true Don's style. Anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. It is funny, I think. Um, I'm going to do this right now while we're talking. So I'm going to go on to Facebook because I have a theory that if you change your birth date... People are going to wish you happy Don't birthday. Don't do it. You had this theory last year and you never did it. I know. That's why I'm going to do it right now while I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you know, the only way it'll work so, is if I wish you happy birthday. If you're listening to this, go online and wish Chris a happy birthday. Yep. Because What are you going to make your birthday? I don't know. I got, you know what? I'm not your gonna, real birthday is just next month. I'm not going to do it right now because apparently my computer doesn't want to pull that up. So 
Uh, and we want to we want to not bore our kids, our kids, our listeners with with that. Um, but if you do uh, see that it's my birthday on Facebook, please wish me a happy birthday. Because <laughs> who knows when the real one's going to be. Um, oh, okay. So a couple things going on uh, in the news that are worth talking about. We haven't done an extensive news in a while, and I don't think we're going to now. But uh, um, Bears Ears and Grand Staircase. So President Trump took office uh, and put Brian Zinke in charge of the Interior Department, which is in charge of all the national parks, basically. And the first one of the first things he did was say, you know what, fuck what Obama did because fuck Obama. Because it was Obama. Yeah, because it was a black guy. Um, and uh, I built my political career on uh, talking about how shitty he was. Um, so he reduced the size of Bears Ears and Grand Escalante, um, Grand Staircase Escalante. Well... Um, as soon as that happened, um, you know, our dumbass legislators, uh, Curtis in particular, put together some legislation to basically f- formalize w- what the president had done um, and, and make it so it was a lot harder for another president to reverse that. That legislation has gone nowhere. Uh, and what has happened is uh, a whole bunch of court cases have been filed against the, the president and the Department of the Interior uh, in regards to the boundaries that they changed. Those are going to be in the courts for a while, probably a couple of years. So as of now, uh, nothing has changed. So Grand Staircase and uh, Bears Ears remain the way they are. Uh, With any luck, Trump will be out in a year and a half and a Democrat will be in. uh, And that decision will be reversed. Um, But who knows? Uh, Who knows what's going to happen with all of that? But the the point is, today, right now... um, the state of Utah can't sell to oil and gas rights and mineral rights, uh, and they are still protected lands. So, Thank goodness. It's the way it needs to stay. It should stay that way. It absolutely should. I, th- I think fucking drilling and raping our earth of its resources is really just a... Let's turn a mountain inside out. Because yeah, we don't have Kennecott as a... <laughs> All you gotta do, to fucking look west... Green is not the natural color of dirt, people. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is, technically, because it's natural what's going well, on. No. There, see, dirt that's... is never green. Trees are green. What you can't see is the mile deep hole. You can see it from space. If <laughs> if you didn't know what it was, it's very cool looking because the copper is, is even, even knowing what it is, it's cool looking. But, yeah, when you're flying into Utah and you're like, oh, look, Utah has a hole. Massive hole. Yeah, we don't need more of that. Massive gaping maw. Oh, maw. That's one of my favorite words for hole. Gaping maw. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I I did want to talk about one other thing. So Robert Gerke uh, did, I guess it's an op-ed piece, right? That's most of what he does. Uh, But he did a piece in the Tribune um, talking specifically about um, somewhat national news, but uh, all the tariffs that that Trump has been doing. Oh, the tariffs that the country, other countries, pay for us. So, to be clear, and I think I'm going to take up. I think I'm going to take up Bill Maher's uh, mantra. It's it's calling it a tariff softens the blow. It's a tax. It's a big tax. It's, it's a, a twenty. Tax. It's a twenty five percent tax on most of your goods and services that you're getting. So, um, on the larger scale. Uh, it's going to impact just about everything. So most American companies that do manufacturing actually manufacture in China. Um, and all of those goods are now going to start to see big tariffs, big, big taxes. 
Chinese government doesn't pay tariffs. The the Mexican government wouldn't pay tariffs. The you know European governments that Trump's threatening with tariffs don't pay tariffs. The people that pay tariffs are the people that buy the goods. A tariff is a tax on a foreign good. So traditionally, the the goods that have been tariffed uh, in the U.S. history are automobiles. That's the primary good because automotive manufacture continued to be for a long time a huge part of American industry. And so if an automobile was primarily manufactured overseas, it had a tariff. And the reason for that is it was cheaper to make, for instance, a Honda. We'll, we'll just take the, we'll take the, the midsize SUV. So a Honda CRV compared to a Chevy Equinox. Chevy Equinox is an American company, has to pay American wages, has to pay, um, work comp and insurance work, and, and reimburse their employees laws and pay over time and everything else. And I don't know that Japanese companies are, are worse. But it's a lot cheaper for them to manufacture. And so Honda can manufacture a CRV at a fraction of the cost that Chevy can, can manufacture an Equinox. Side by side, they're relatively similar. They're just about the same in terms of quality, if, if not a little bit better on the Honda side. But because they can sell it so much cheaper, even with the tariff that exists already on that product, the Honda CRV fully loaded is like a $26,000 vehicle. Uh, Chevy Equinox is probably closer to 35 with the same feature set with a tariff. So that's why tariffs exist in some cases. What Trump has done is created massive tariffs on uh, basically everything at this point uh, that we import from China. So everything from from textiles to uh, raw materials. Um, What that means is the dollars that you spend at businesses are going to go way up. When you go to Walmart and you're used to buying something for a dollar fifty, like some shitty bullshit thing that's made in China, you might be paying two bucks, two fifty for it. Prices across the board are going to go up. Well, and things that hit closer to home are cell phones. You think cell phones? Are oh, expensive all of those now. parts and technology. Technology. Period. TVs, TVs, laptops, iPads, smartwatches. You name it. Uh, that tech stuff's going to go up in price. Uh, it's already started. The other side of that is the trade war that he's creating where China says, okay, well, we're going to start to tariff goods that you import. Now, in a con- so in a country like America, the price goes up. The impact on a country like China is not massive. One of the reasons is we don't have that stuff manufactured from another source. We get everything from there, right? So if... We have to pay more for, you know, a radio. There's not a lot of manufacturers in the U.S. that make radios. There's certainly not enough to meet the demand of radios. Radios is a bad example because no one fucking buys radios. I was like, why is he using radios? But that's my point. Cell phones, for example. Cell phones. There's a high demand for cell phones in this country. It's gone down over the last couple of years, but there's a high, high demand for them. There are not a lot of American cell phone manufacturers. In fact, there may only be one or two. They do not make enough cell phones to meet the demand that the country has for cell phones. So instead, we have to import those from China. We're still going to buy almost as many cell phones. So at the end of the day, it does hurt their bottom line and those companies in China a little bit, but not as much as what's going on on the opposite side. So when China imposes tariffs on, for instance, our dairy products, we ship a lot of dairy products, cheeses and, and I don't know about milks, but a lot of dairy products and a lot of beef go to China from, from American farmers and ranchers. Um, well, that gets a huge tariff. So guess what? In China, they'll just buy local. They buy some from somewhere else. They have other places that deliver that stuff. It's not like what we're doing is something they don't have the capability of producing 
or they switch their diet a little bit. And so it's really hurting, uh, you know, farmers and ranchers and, and the goods that we're having tariffed. We won't have the products that we need to buy and we'll have too much of the things that we well, I, don't Well, I know need. an odd thing we talked about not too long ago is recycling. Our recycled goods get sent to China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oftentimes they buy a lot of our garbage. And because of that, I know parts of Salt Lake, downtown Salt Lake, have stopped the recycle. Because they don't actually recycle it here. So one of the things um, in the ranch space, we've already in Utah lost a third of our dairy farms. We were like 150. We're, we're down to about 100 now, I think. Like we've, we've lost a huge number of dairy farms. And, and the other places that it starts to hurt is corn production. So, so well, and think on a bigger picture, what's happening across the nation right now? Soybean farms are being wiped out. Corn farms are being wiped out because of flooding uh, in Arkansas, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. in Iowa, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this this is this is a big deal. It this has is him impact. just showing actually how good of a businessman he is. This is the man who the only bank that would lend him money was what's the name of it? Deutsche <laughs> Deutsche Bank <laughs> and. So and it goes it goes a lot further. So in order to change what you manufacture and where you manufacture is a long process. It can take a year and a half, two years. So in the meantime, you're suffering. You're trying to figure out how to produce stuff locally and produce stuff locally that's that's less expensive than than what we're paying uh, for these Chinese goods. Um, and businesses will fail. And unfortunately. <laughs> I think we may be headed towards another recession. Well, that and um, he, his, his, gosh, I, don't, I can't think of the word that I want. The way that he is running the country, like promising the jobs to like the coal miners and stuff like that, he, that never came through either. And so now not only do we have coal miners out of jobs, but we have people who we've been saying, well, move to the tech world. Well, now we can't even get parts for the tech world for different things that we're doing on a technology basis. So in a, in a, in a, in a real sense, we'll put some real names to some things that are, that are going to happen uh, and some real numbers. So the, the federal reserve uh, in New York issued a study that said the average U S household is going to end up spending $831 more uh, this year uh, or per year for their purchases. Uh, thanks to tariffs, those are all tax dollars. That, make no mistake, that's an increase in taxes for you. You're going to pay $130 more in taxes. That's all a tariff is, is a tax that we pay for those goods. Um, and then, you know, a, a company, so Cotopaxi. Cotopaxi is a local Utah company. It's a big outdoor company. Um, so they only import like a fifth of their products from China. Not, real, not as big as a lot of companies. Um, but... Uh, it's going to cost them somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.3 million to tariffs will, uh, for 2020. That, that kind of change is going to get passed right along to you, the consumer, and will probably hurt their bottom line because they'll probably sell less stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, it's one of the problems with this. And I know we've talked about this before too, but it's, it's far more reaching than Trump's presidency because a year and a half from now, he may not be president anymore, but this crap is going to stick around. Well, and even if we, you know, even if the, the president, the, a new president makes a full, you know, 180 and just immediately ends the tariffs, the damage is done. Right. And, and the chance that China relaxes its tariffs 
are relatively small. And let's be honest, the stuff that's going on, especially with, with uh, Huawei uh, and, and these tariffs, like we're, we're positioning ourselves to be in a, in a spot where China may act militarily. It's really scary to think, but at some point, they're going to defend what they believe is is their you know amnesty in a, in a sense. Well, it's not only China to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Like what the fuck? They're on our southern border. They're they're supposed to be our allies. We're supposed to be good neighbors, and we're trying. No, we're like trying shit. to build a fence that they'll pay for with our tax. Wait a minute. Well, they might pay for it with tariffs that we actually pay for. Wait, what the hell? I don't know, and it's not going to keep anyone out. Like, if you if you want to fucking really hear, like, look, the cartels like the Sinaloa cartel, they operate where walls exist today across the border by Tijuana, where there's big walls. Guess what? It doesn't fucking stop them. You know why? They cross the border legally with shit. They dig tunnels. They have miles of underground networks of tunnels to get stuff across the border. Guess what else they're using? You know what goes over a fence really easily? A fucking drone. <laughs> Guess how much drone technology improved in 10 years? Guess where one of the big epicenters of improvement was? Tijuana. Because they were flying fucking drugs over the border with manless drones. with fucking Like two kilos of drugs Amazon on one delivery. drone. <laughs> yeah, no, basically. So, like, but just think about it. Like, in, commercially, in the last five years like how like the the toy drones that i gave your kid oh, yeah, and, and yeah, john's yeah. kid those are fucking fantastic little toys little toys but they and weren't like expensive super capable smartphone enabled like they cost they're probably less than a hundred dollars and my 11 year old can use it yeah so yeah. he can fly drugs across the border <laughs> so if you're really trying to stop things like drugs and we digress because there's no wall. Also, by the way, you know the new trick uh, for coyotes in Mexico is they get people plane tickets to Canada in Mexico, and then they just fucking walk across the northern border. Um, I don't remember what <laughs> I don't remember who I was listening to, but someone called them uh, snow Mexicans. Yep. So they just fly them to Canada, <laughs> and they just cross the border from Canada, coming down because the, the there's the, no wall. There's yeah. no wall, so they can the, the borders fly. are much more relaxed up and coming mm-hmm. from Canada down. Like, so I guess we have to build a wall to Canada too. No, because I like I like Mexicans in Utah. I love Mexicans. They're my favorite. <laughs> Bree's mostly Mexican. For those of you that don't know, and a little bit Irish. Oh, okay. Before we before we go to our guest, I do want to <laughs> talk about Peter. So on Saturday, um, I'm sitting down to I watch. Know why I got tagged in that? I go. How come you tagged Jess and not me? Well, because he was just tagging the podcast, and I think he talks to you all the time. Yeah, probably. He tags you more frequently, Jess. He's but, just, it's it's a it's easier for him to tag you because you're right there at the top. But Peter was uh, probably a couple pints down by the time he he tweeted this. But he tweeted a, a picture, a couple pictures of a, a bar TV at a bar he was at, uh, drinking Guinness and watching the RSL game, which I was also watching at the same time, which wow. is kind of fantastic. But we didn't but, have any Guinness. That someone in a in a country that has real soccer uh, was watching MLS. It was cool. <laughs> and so I sent him a, a I tweeted back a picture of me drinking a different kind of beer uh, on my couch while watching the game. He inspired me to drink some Salt Flats uh, Cerveza Mexican Ale. When we were in Vegas, there was a Guinness shop with a big fat Guinness guy, and I took Chris's picture by the Guinness guy and sent it to Peter. <laughs> so anyway, just a little bit of Irish flair for our uh, for our day there. Well, it, are, it is our pleasure uh, today to finally get to talk to uh, <laughs> someone we've been trying to talk to for a long time, uh, Katrina Barker. 
I said it right? Yeah. I didn't even ask this time. That's the <laughs> only reason I got it right. You, you just don't know unless you listen just to the show. Just don't call her Josh. I, I have called people the wrong name after asking them like five seconds before. I butcher names, even when I write them out phonetically. So yours is an easy one, Katrina. Uh, Katrina's with us. She is... Um, uh, a what, I don't know what your position there is, but you're part of Planned Parenthood in Utah, right? Yes, I'm the communications and marketing manager at Planned Parenthood of Utah. Fantastic, fantastic. So we, I don't think anyone here doesn't love Planned Parenthood. So uh, if you're looking for someone to bash on Planned Parenthood... Then um, go somewhere I, I think you've got like Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> What's Fox <laughs> News. Fox, yeah, Fox. There's lots of other places to go. This is not it. The Utah State Legislature. <laughs> <laughs> Many members of the Utah State Legislature. Not oh. all of them. We do have some really amazing legislators also. Yes, we do. And in my experience, pretty much people that the people that are are not down with Planned Parenthood really have no idea what Planned They're Parenthood They're uneducated does. about it. Yeah, I would agree that a lot of people do not understand the scope of what Planned Parenthood does. And it does tend to get only associated with abortion, which is actually about one to two percent. That's actually really one of our questions. Big, yeah, it's not we, a big part of what you guys do. Um, I, I want to take a step back, though, um, and talk a little bit about just you uh, sure. as opposed to Planned Parenthood. Are you from Utah originally? Well, so I was <laughs> born here, but I did not grow up here. So I have kind of a roundabout way of ending up back. My parents are from here. They're University of Utah graduates. Um, and But we moved to Ohio when I was young, and that is where I grew up. So I grew up in the Midwest. And um, that is a very different feeling than Utah in many ways. Yes, it is. Um, but I actually came back here for school and attended BYU. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and How did your parents feel about that being Utah grads? Well, they were like, oh, this tuition is very cheap. You should go there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we know it's the one. As parents with two kids in school right now, and Jeremy (laughs) on the cusp of that, we... And I'm the oldest of five kids, so Uh, they were really big fans of that. I actually got a scholarship, so they didn't even have to pay tuition. They were stoked. (laughs) So you're smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had a really great free education (laughs) at BYU, Um, and I studied journalism while I was there, so actually broadcast. Podcasting. So podcast is a fun return to some of that. Um, and I worked in Salt Lake as a producer for Channel 4 News when I, after I graduated. And then I ended up leaving Utah and moving to North Carolina um, with my, well, now ex-husband, but um, when I was young and married. And um, we lived there and in grad, he went to grad school there. And then we came back to Utah um, in 2009. And so I've lived here ever since. Um, I have two kids and um, divorced. It happens no longer. It happens a lot. It does. Jeremy's okay. divorced too. <laughs> Number one cause of divorce is marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. That is, yeah. It's fair. hard to argue with that statistic. Can't really. <laughs> um, and I ended up um, in the time when my kids were babies and I wasn't working full time, I really got interested in photography and did a lot of that. And then kind of segued into doing marketing and social media became a thing. It really wasn't a thing even when I was in college. So um, now you know how old I am. Um, and <laughs> right. you're, you're, in a, a you're in a room full of people in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> so I really started learning about that and, and kind of did a lot of freelance stuff. And then... Um, Planned Parenthood had this position open. And so um, I ended up 
coming to Planned Parenthood. So I've been there for three years. It is definitely, I feel very passionate about the work that Planned Parenthood does. I have a son and a daughter. And when my daughter was born, um, I actually had a home birth with her. And, um, and on, on she, purpose? on purpose, okay. <laughs> it was a planned home birth. She's one of those crazies. I, that's a good a question. A little bit of a hippie. <laughs> so I had a planned home birth and she also was breech, which <gasps> we don't have to get into the whole birth story, but she, um, I mean, she was coming out bottom first instead of head first. So it was, was a little, it in a hot tub? Cause I, <laughs> it was not in a hot tub, but it was in water. Okay. That's okay. No, no, that's fine. Like I hear stories of people are like, "Can't give birth in my hot tub." I'm like, "I'm never getting into that fucking hot tub." Or Whitney, no. who you had her kids in the shower. Yeah. You'd have to clean it up. Yeah. Well, my friend had twins in the shower, standing up in the shower. Yeah. I guys just, like fell out. I mean, I have. If you've given birth, like you will do. There's so I, many. You my just cousin do had it where hers it feels in good. the parking lot at the hospital in the car while her husband was going in to get the wheelchair. <laughs> That really happened. <laughs> that happened. Um, anyway, I talk about my daughter's birth because that was a really pivotal point in my own journey because I realized not only were, I mean, I was able to choose that I wanted to have a child when I wanted to have that child. And I got to choose where and how and who was with me. And I had all these options and choices in the process of becoming a mother. And I started to think about that and, and realize that Okay, that was very empowering. In fact, the most empowering thing I've ever done is to give birth to my kids. And and that was a choice I got to make. And I want every person to make that choice, whether to have a child or not to have a child, and when, and to understand that choice and to be educated and to feel like they have options and to feel like they have all the tools at their disposal in order to make the choice that's best for them and their life and their family. And so it was really maybe a sort of untraditional way of coming to Planned Parenthood, but also the most traditional way. Yeah, I don't feel like that. Like you're thinking, that's something you're thinking about. And, well, and, and I don't uh, think it's that. When you describe that to me and, and you, you're talking about you want everyone to have a choice, it's not, it's not a, a a pro-choice in, in, in the abortion sense necessarily, but Planned Parenthood does a lot more for people. They're, you know, the, the choice that you're talking about is, you know, I don't want to get pregnant at 19 years old. How do I avoid that? What choices can I make that is my choice? Sure, I can be abstinent. That's <laughs> Everyone knows that. You get taught that from the time you're like five, don't have sex. But then there's the reality of, well, I want to have sex. I want to be intimate with someone that I care about. I'm a married person at 24 years old and I don't want to have kids. How do I go about not having kids? I'm Catholic and they say I shouldn't use birth control. I want to ignore them like every other good Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, those, that's exactly what Planned Parenthood really is about. And it's about giving people options and education and health care in order to be their best healthy self in all their reproductive choices. And so to circle back to Planned Parenthood, what that means is that we provide birth control and contraception and information and STI and STD tests and pelvic exams and cervical cancer screenings and all of those things that help someone make sure that all their reproductive system <laughs> is healthy. And but men's services as absolutely. well. Absolutely, Men can come in, men can get like a, just a checkup. They can also get a vasectomy. 
they can get SDI tested and treated at all of our facilities. I think the key thing you said there was information because we kind of talked about that at the in the beginning. Um, a lot of people, I would probably even say the majority of the people that we were we run into just don't know what you do. And so you're thought of as an abortion clinic and that's all you're thought of as. And how I'm, that's got to be extremely frustrating when you're trying to reach out to the community for, for funding, for support, for assistance, for fighting what's going on with the administration, both locally and nationally. So what are you guys doing yeah. So that is the ongoing battle, I suppose, <laughs> of information. And, you know, as somebody who's doing communications and marketing for this kind of organization, that is my job, right? So, you know, I spend, a, we spend a lot of time just telling people what we do. You know, any, um, you know, we run radio ads, we run, um, you know, we've done campaigns on UT buses. We've done, you know, a lot of these types of things, digital ads, social media. And most of that is, I mean, pretty much all of it is talking about the services we're providing, these all these other services. I have a, I have a question for you. Yeah. This popped in my head as communications and marketing head of Planned Parenthood. Do you come up with all the buttons that you <laughs> handed out personally? Um, I, some of them. So it, it's, a, it's a mix. We have like some that have just been around for a long time. Somebody at one point came up with, we get ideas from other people. I've certainly designed my fair share of buttons, so, but we get interns, get, get ideas. I got a story about a button. So we've, I think we've told this story before, but it's so funny. I think you'll get a kick. Right. I think you'll like it being a, 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 a working hand in these buttons at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're at the, we're at the farmer's market. It was last year, right? It was when we were picking up the stuff um, for the girls. Yeah, so we're, well, that was a couple years ago then. So we're at the, we're at the Planned Parenthood table and we're talking to the Planned Parenthood people. Uh, and the, you know, they've got tons of buttons. And this guy walks up with his daughter who's maybe six, five, maybe six five. And he's like, Oh, go ahead and pick out a button, you know? And she goes, I want this button. And she picks up a button. She that already says, knows. Look at her. I heart I'm orgasm. not sure which one it is. But <laughs> okay. I heart orgasm. He's like, Maybe you want to choose a another button. On it, you know? Sweetheart. <laughs> but That's then I great. grabbed that one for my kids because we were there. I have two daughters. They're uh-huh. both in college. And um, the one was getting ready to go away to college. And I was I was like, let's let's just grab some stuff. And then I just brought it to him. And I said, go together. Go and do this. Because at that point, they hadn't transitioned over to having a primary care physician that was for adults. They were and both seeing a pediatrician. A pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Pediatricians aren't, you know, you don't go and see them for your pelvic exam and stuff like that. And it's it's a hard transition for someone if you're not getting married or something like that to make that weird like and i think you guys are a perfect niche for that and and then jessica said she i mean she still goes there she's she's Every not, she's not a young awesome. teenage girl but but it, it it's helped my daughters and they're everywhere and so my daughter that's in cedar city can still have access to her that's birth control great. my daughter that's in saint george she's she's like mom i want to try the you know, the implant in my mm-hmm. arm. And I said, okay, we'll go and talk to him about it. And she can go and do those things. And she doesn't have to try and drive back up to Salt Lake where her primary care physician is. Absolutely. And that's really what's most of our patients are, are folks who they don't necessarily have a primary care physician. They don't necessarily have, a lot of them don't have insurance. You know, a lot of them are young adults um, who 
they don't want to go see somebody for birth control on their parents' insurance. Because mm-hmm. um, parents get those EOBs. <laughs> and so they can come to Planned Parenthood and they can get sliding scale services and, you know, they, or they can use insurance. We take insurance. That's another thing people don't always understand. Um, I've gone before I was, you know, an employee. I went and I got my IUD at Planned Parenthood with my insurance just because they could get me in quicker. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to wait around for a different appointment. And it was really great. It was a great experience because they're very experienced. Experienced, I keep using that word, but our practitioners in our clinics, this is what they do every day. So they, I mean, they're experts about birth control and STDs and all of these reproductive health issues. There's a couple of questions that, that come to my mind when, when you talk about the, the people that you see. One of them is is minors. So you guys, you, t- you definitely see any anyone over 18, but do you see minors, you know, young boys and girls that are, you know, 14, 15, 16, and so on? We do. So by law, there's this is where the law comes into, into effect, and it's a little tricky. So Utah has an interesting law which says that any state agency cannot provide birth control to a minor without parental consent. Um, So the health department cannot see a minor without parental consent for something. How ass backwards is that? (laughs) That's so dumb. However, um, we are not a state agency and we are also part of Title 10. So Title 10 is a really important um, and I'm glad that we can talk about it because it is the National Family Planning program. So it's a national program. It comes from the federal government. It was started in the early 70s, actually in the Nixon administration. And it was a very bipartisan effort. And our federal government said, you know what, we need to provide funding for family planning and for low income Americans. And and the way to make sure that we have healthy families is to make sure that all of us have healthy reproductive systems so that when you do have a child, it's coming into the world in a healthy environment, right? And to be able to prevent a pregnancy before you're ready and all of these things. So the National Family Planning Program, or Title X, um, provides federal tax money, federal funding, to reproductive health care providers. And for decades, Planned Parenthood across the country has been a recipient of Title X money because we are the reproductive health care experts. And in Utah specifically, we are the only healthcare provider that gets money for t- from Title X in the state. Wow. And we've done that partly because of this weird Utah law that, you know, the state agencies can't take it. Because in some states, the health department takes the money and then they use it in their clinics. Well, so like in Wyoming, where I grew up, you could go to the public health office like it was a stupid trailer in the back of a <laughs> weird parking. But you could go and they just had condoms sitting out. But you can't do that in Utah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about all the rules about condoms. But anyway, so with Title X, we are required by Title X to provide contraception to teenagers, even without parental consent. That is part of the stipulation of Title X. And so a 16-year-old can come into our clinic. They will get birth control. And they will, that most of that is paid for by Title X. And um, they don't have to tell their parents it's, and we're not telling their parents. It is mind boggling so. to me that the public health department can't give kids birth control without parental consent. And like what's mind boggling to me about that is, is parents are like, 
I don't want to use, I don't want to spend time talking about Mormons in particular because I think it's the case with a lot of just out of touch parents, uh, out of touch with reality parents that think my kid doesn't have sex. If your kid's 15 or 16 years old, they've thought about sex. They've probably had sex. And if you're not letting them have contraception, if you're telling them that they, this sex is bad and, and you're not giving them the proper tools and education, they're going to have unprotected sex. They're going to have disease and they're going to get pregnant. And STD rates are rising among teenagers. That is a statistic, not a fun one, but true. And the other thing is that when kids, teenagers receive comprehensive sex education and are actually taught, they actually usually delay onset of sexual activity. I mean, that's what all the studies show that when you increase sex education, the age of first sexual activity actually fancy that also goes up. It's, and so it's that information thing again. <laughs> yeah. well, it, look, I, I got great sex education where I grew up in Wyoming, which is which is a, not far from here, but a far cry in terms of what education's provided in, in Utah in particular. But the thing I can tell you from sex education is it's not about how to have sex. No. That's not what sex education is. It's about how to be safe. It's about what STDs are out there, what one's can be treated, what ones like herpes stick around for a lifetime and can flare up at any time and what genital warts look like. And <laughs> look, I'm telling you, it's not meant to be scary. It's meant to be informative. It's not sexy. But when you see a genital wart, you're like, <laughs> or crabs yeah. that actually look like, like they maybe, call them crabs for a reason, folks. <laughs> maybe I want to wait before I have sex. And when I do, I'm going to use a condom. Like, that edu- and it's not like, hey, go have sex. That's not what sex education mm-hmm. is. And I think that's the confusion that a lot of people have because sex is just this weird taboo thing in American culture. I mean, look, look overseas, look in Europe. Like, I still wish I could figure out what the name of the, the documentary I watched, but they did a, a survey, like an, kind of an impromptu survey, where they went around major malls in America and then in Europe, and they asked people in their, or, you know, their late teens, like 16 to 24-ish, and said, if you went out on a date with someone and they had a condom, what would you think? And overwhelmingly in America, oh, that person's a slut. I wouldn't want to date them again. They're just out to have sex. And in Europe... Uh, I would expect that if they didn't have a condom, I wouldn't date them again. That but, is pretty disturbing. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of <laughs> mind blowing. Yeah, Americans. Well, it's it's like where we will let our kids watch somebody get blown up, shot, stabbed, you know, whatever. But heaven forbid they see a boob. Right, right. And that's something. I mean, you know, having obviously grown up in America, and I grew up actually Mormon. You know, weird. And you went to BYU too. I went that's to BYU. Crazy. But um. You know, I have to still like rewrite my own programming. And so, you know, my kids are pretty young still. They're eight and 10. But, you know, from the time they were just very, very little, we just were, I was just very open about anatomy and this and that. And so like, there's never been a sex talk because there's just been ongoing conversations. And even now, you know, my daughter who's eight um, has really, really likes Grey's Anatomy. She likes watching it with me. <laughs> and there's a that, lot of sex in there's that There's a show. lot of sex in Grey's Anatomy. And sometimes I'm like, Ugh. but then it's interesting how much that has led to conversations and how like you can turn like so many moments into a conversation instead of it being like, oh, cover your eyes on this part 
I mean, she kind of will do that anyway because she's eight. Your kids are going to be the one leading the class, like fifth grade <laughs> class. They're like, no, actually, let me tell you this. Is when someone's like, no, if you have sex, this happens. You, you're supposed to put condom around your balls and the kid's like, no. Well, my mom, no, that's my not mom how said. Well, my mom said, or we, I took them to the, with me to the Pride Parade on Sunday and you see a lot of things at the Pride Parade and they're kind of at that age where they're just noticing more of it. When they were younger, they kind of went over their head a little bit more. And... um Condoms came up because there were condoms, you know. I throw them in the. Pool. Um, Can I eat this? This looks and, like bubble <laughs> And uh, my daughter said something about like, what were they talking about? With it's, it was like a joke. If you give a condom to a lesbian, like, there was this like joke. She, and she was like, she's like, well, I don't. What's the joke? And I'm like, okay, well, do you understand what a condom is? And she's like, no. And I said to my son, I was like, do you understand what a condom is? And he's like, yeah. I'm like. How do you know what a condom is? We even had this conversation. He's like, I don't know, but I've heard of it. <laughs> so we sat there on the grass at the side of the pride parade and talked about condoms to, you know, they're third and fourth graders. And I don't think that's inappropriate because I'm not talking about it in any way that's not appropriate to their age. I'm just giving them information mm-hmm. and, well, um, and I'm matter of fact about it and they accept it and they're like, okay. But well, if they want on. if they want to know, then they're ready. That's the way my mom brought me up. Yeah. She would talk to me until. She could see like, okay, she's, she's kind of done. And then that would be the end of it. So I never had a sex talk. I never gave a sex talk to my kids. When they got a little older, we would just periodically say, now, you know, go out, be responsible. Do you have your stuff? Um, when I found out that my youngest was having sex, she didn't think that I knew. And so we were taking her to prom. And so we, we gave her a condom and she was just so like, she thought it was the most horrible thing. And I said, when has this ever been bad? You have an older sister, you know, this is not an issue, but even for her, it was still a little, yeah, there's still stigma, but there's like, you've got to keep, you've got to keep having that conversation with everybody. I still have it with them before they leave the house and they're young adults. Yeah. He's, (laughs) he's, he'll, you know, and we kind of make it at this point in their lives as, as 19 year old and 21 year old kids, it's kind of a silly thing at the same time. Just like I'll say like no drinking and drugging in my car. If you know, she borrows my car or something, <laughs> they know that, but it just, you know, it doesn't hurt to remind them every once in a while. And I, I don't see anything wrong with, with kids knowing what their body parts are and what they're used for, because I feel like they're less likely to be taken advantage of. Absolutely. I think it's really important to teach anatomically correct names and, you know, and consent. So I wanted to circle back on this, talking about sex education, because consent education is really important. And it's actually talked about a lot these days after like Me Too and all the movements that have happened more recently with sexual harassment, et cetera. And I think that understanding consent is one of the most vital lessons we can teach our kids. And you can start teaching consent to toddlers, mm-hmm. you know, that's come so young and, um, and talking about healthy relationships and what does that mean? And, you know, our sex education programs that we teach, um, in our, from our education department, we have educators who go out into the community and teach a lot of different classes. Um, they do teach in some, some of the school districts have approved them to come in, Salt Lake City, I think, well, I shouldn't, I think Granite both have the educators come to some of their classes and, um, they'll teach like the maturation class to the fifth graders or they're, they'll teach in high schools. We also have, um, a really amazing program called Teen Council. And that is high school students, 10th through 12th grade who have to apply. They go through an application process. They're interviewed and then they get like 
hours and hours of training to be a peer sex educator. And so they then become a resource for their friends and for the fellow students in their school. They will teach classes in their high schools. And, um, and it's, it's just really amazing to see them feel empowered in that. And then to be able to pass it on to their peers, because as any parent knows, especially when they get to be teenagers, they don't, listen to they the don't want to listen to us anymore. <laughs> they want to listen to their friends. And so to have these peers who actually are getting good information and then passing that on. And I'm just very impressed with what they're able to do that way. And a lot of what they do is not just about the, the nitty gritty of what sex is. It's about healthy relationships and consent and all these other factors that go into relationships. That's that's really cool. I had no idea that, that yeah. you guys did that. That's that's fantastic. I think it helps. You you use the word stigma to get rid of that when the friends or the teachers are finding out that the, the that program is Planned Parenthood based cuz I mean we're all in our late thirties and early forties. And what do you like growing up? What did you think about? Oh my gosh, somebody's walking in Planned Parenthood or you have to walk in, you know, with your, your face covered and you know, that having these kids know that that extra resources there for them. Like I, I would have loved to have gone back and had that, you know, had I known I know. as well, a teenager. I, I think about the things that they already know and understand as, you know, 17 year olds. I'm just like, I didn't know any of that until I was like 30, right? <laughs> I just like... Just think about what you, when your son turns 13, what he's going to know. <laughs> well, that's why like your resources were great. We talked before about picking up your stuff at, at the farmer's market. We picked up the brochures and stuff. Um, and they took both of the girls back separately and talked to them separately. And they came away with separate birth control plans. It wasn't, here's the pill, be on your way. It was, you know, what is your life? So my youngest daughter, she's irresponsible. She leaves all the drawers open and the lights on and the freezer door open the other day and she's 19. She is not going to remember to take a pill every single day. And so they talked to her about that. My other daughter, very responsible. She sets an alarm on her phone. It's a duck quacking when she's, when she's home now, when we hear it, if she's not there, we're like, Cassidy, take birth control. (laughs) So like it's, I love that you guys spend that time with each individual person. It is not a rote experience. It's different for Jess, who's in her 30s, to Sean, who's irresponsible, to Cassie, who's in her 20s, to even, you know, if if Jeremy's kids decided to go, who still have that um, deeply held LDS background, you guys are tuned to that. Um, I I appreciate your your providers. And you can go and you can look them up online. Because I looked him up when my daughter wanted that that thing. Mm-hmm. You can see where else they work. So mm-hmm. are so does does Planned Parenthood pay all the providers there? Do some of them work there on a voluntary basis? Is it both? Is so it- everyone is everyone is employed, paid employees. Our only volunteers actually we don't have volunteers at all in our health clinics. So everyone who works in the clinic, our staff. I love um, the clinic. And so you have you know like a clinical assistant. You have um, a nurse practitioner is typically our medical providers, our nurse practitioners in our clinics. Um, and they're the ones that are going to give you a prescription for your birth control or do your annual exam or your pap smear. Um, most of them are women. We do have a few male clinical staff, but they typically, typically tend to be mostly women. 
um, and the staff and they're all great and they get great training and they're really professional. And we really, not only are they trained medical professionals, but we really stress the fact that we provide non-judgmental compassionate care and that there's, we're trying to take away that stigma. You know, when somebody, you know, when a 19 year old gets up the courage to go and get an SDI test for the first time, we want that to be a positive experience for them because we want them to come back. We want that to be something that they feel comfortable continuing to do. Um, and so we really, really strive to have it be a positive experience at every touch point. You know, obviously people are people. <laughs> I get to read the Google reviews occasionally. There's a bad one. <laughs> Someone was having a bad day and they weren't super nice. Also to be clear, no matter how hard you try, a chlamydia test is not pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do you know this from personal experience, babe? I just know how to, you know, remember when I got the pertussis test and they uh, shoved the Q-tip yeah. up my nose? Oh. Similar idea, but it's somewhere else. For sure. oh. So I don't think it's a pleasant experience. So anyway, but yeah, our, um, Moving you know, along. our clinical staff is, is really great and they're very professional and, and well-trained. Um, and, you know, most, I, the other kind of going back to some of the misconceptions is that, so we have eight health centers in the state of Utah. Um, and only one of those health centers is actually an abortion clinic. All the others are. Is it just an abortion clinic? Yes. Really? Um, so we have two clinics in Salt Lake. One is the one on 900 South, which is, you know, where a lot of people are familiar with, you see it. Um, the abortion clinic is is nearby, but it is a more private facility in a medical office uh, building. Which, as it should be. Look, well, but <laughs> but this is the thing I was going to say, as it should be, but it shouldn't have to be. It shouldn't have to be, but it is. It does allow just more privacy yeah, for more patients. Discreet privacy. But it's um, not a fun thing. Like you don't want to. Just because you might not be ashamed of it, you still don't want everybody knowing what you're it's doing. Like, yeah, it shouldn't have song. a neon sign outside <laughs> saying, we abort here, we abort. Yeah. Like, that's just not. You know, no. and a lot of, there's just, there's so many different circumstances on why a person would choose to get an abortion. And some of them are really sad circumstances. And it's not, it's a really hard day for those patients. And and, you know, we get referrals from the university hospitals. We get referrals, you know, patients who there's been something has gone wrong with the pregnancy and and they have really wanted pregnancy. And and those patients, you know, those are co coming to our clinic as well. So there are many, many. Every person has a unique story and they're it's a, it can often be a hard day. I have never, ever met anyone that was pro-abortion or was happy to get an abortion. It does not matter the circumstance, and, and I know plenty of people that have had them. None of them are happy doing it. Yeah, it's not like it's they not set out for it, and they celebrate it when they're done. Sure. I will say, just to nuance that a little bit, which is, and I've never had an abortion, just so I can't speak to my own personal experience, but... I think that there are many people who are happy that they had the option to get an abortion yes. Yes. and that that was the choice they got to make because that was the thing they needed to do for their life exactly. for whatever reason it is. And so at the end of the day, do we all want to hopefully be in the position where we don't have to choose that because we've been able to prevent an unwanted pregnancy or, you know, God forbid, there's just things that go wrong sometimes in a pregnancy mm -hmm. and you can't control for that. So, you know, those are hard situations, but. Um, I think that there are many, many, many women who are super grateful of course for the chance they had to have an abortion, um, because it meant 
they got to finish school or it meant they got to get out of an abusive relationship or it meant that they didn't have to give birth to the rapist child or, you know, whatever or even that it, it is. meant that they didn't have to feed the fifth mouth that they couldn't exactly. already afford to feed the fourth mouth that they had Absolutely. sitting at their table. And it's, that's, it's like, get, it's thing. like getting some kind of internal, like no one wants to go have surgery, but at the end of the day, sometimes that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Well, and you know, I, I don't have the statistic off the top of my head, but I believe it's over 50% of women who get abortions are already mothers. So they, they know this isn't something that, you know, they're taking lightly. They know what it's like to go through a pregnancy, to give birth, to raise a child, to feed that child. And so they're making the choice that's best for them and their family and their existing children. How do do you squash the, because every, my big thing is just telling people like, it's not like people are doing this all like willy nilly. They're at like eight months and they're like, forget this. So how I'm going to have the baby next week. Let's go. Yeah. And that does not happen. That is not a thing as much as Republican pundits want to act like, you can get an abortion until birth. That is not right, a not possibility. Just regular people. I and mean, no, really not a thing that it's you can so, do. It would be so dangerous. The only, so when, when you're talking, so we can talk about a little bit of this idea of like abortion later in pregnancy, since that has come up a lot in politics recently, but the circumstances under which someone would need an abortion in the like later second trimester or third trimester are extremely rare. And that is when, like the mother is going to die or the baby or the baby is dead or the baby is going to die. And that is, I mean, it is not, (laughs) it's, it it would be insanely expensive. I mean, if you give birth in a hospital, it's like tens of thousands of dollars. An abortion at that point would also be a very, very expensive medical procedure. And and who, who wants to have, who carries a baby almost a term and emotionally, is like, yeah, I need to get rid of it. Like, no, I, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Thing. It's a complete fabrication of, and politic, politi- I can't say the word, but politi- yeah, that word, <laughs> you know, making, playing politics with women's bodies, with pregnancy in a way that I find honestly offensive as a woman, as someone with a uterus, as a right. mother, as someone who's experienced pregnancy. And I think that it is, it's one of the most infuriating it's, oh, things it's, in politics right now. It's p- politicians and legislators treating women as if they're carriers, if they're just inanimate objects that just carry stuff. Well, it's like this. So one of the things we always ask our guests when we talk is something they want to talk about. And I know that you want to talk about the the current abortion laws and 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 everybody trying to pass things now, trying to maybe get Roe v. Wade overturned, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you talked about how passionate makes you probably makes you a little more passionate than me since it's your job every single day. But as, as someone who's had kids who can no longer have kids, who has two daughters, who has friends, you know, with uteruses, who has friends with other, like, how maddening is it to see them fight to keep this thing that cannot live without the mother alive? And then they're born into a system where we have so many maternal deaths. We have so many fetal deaths for a developed country. I don't know the statistics. I just know that they're horribly bad. We don't take care of kids once they're born. Like you were talking about, the birth itself is expensive. Just 
you know, monthly exams for those kids, women who are already living paycheck to paycheck, who don't have time off, trying to find daycare, trying to find time to take their kids to the doctors. This is how we end up with kids who are malnourished, kids who become gang members. I mean, there are so many societal problems that stem from this. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about these current abortion laws that you've been dealing with and why we've we've been fighting to get you on for Mm -hmm. so long, because that's some of the reason that you haven't been able to come on a couple of times. So, um, so one of the reasons why it's taken me almost six months to get here after you guys first contacted me was because of our Utah legislative session runs from the end of January through mid March. It's 45 days and it is, it's a pretty intense time. And basically part of my job, uh, and part of Planned Parenthood's mission is not just providing healthcare. It's also fighting for the right to continue to provide that healthcare. And, and that means we do a lot of advocacy work and, um, and we even have a separate organization under our kind of umbrella that is able to do political activism and endorse candidates. And we work to get people elected who are also going to be friendly and fight for these rights. So the legislative session can be, to put it bluntly, a bit of a shit show. Um, <laughs> because we have, a lot of legislators who are, we have a super majority Republican mm-hmm. in both houses. Um, and super so majority male. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mostly men, mostly Republicans, mostly white. They might pretty much all be white men. <laughs> I, I can't that they are. There used to be. There might be a couple. There might be a couple. There's, yeah. We definitely have women who are not white, yes. but I, I can't honestly even think of I can't think a of non-white male legislator right now there used to be but there's not i don't think there is currently anyway well the the doctor what yeah but he's not in there anymore yeah she is awa she was awa he is was really great actually i used to to work in the hospital with him so yeah and he unfortunately left yeah legislature that was the only one i could think of and he's not there and then same so anyway a lot of white men who i will admit to making me pretty mad sometimes (laughs) um so the legislative session works in that you have bills proposed and then they go through this process and we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of the whole legislative process, but basically we spend a lot of time making sure bad bills don't pass. Um, I wish we got to spend more time passing good bills, but unfortunately the political landscape in Utah is such that it's pretty difficult to get a legislator to pass a slate, a comprehensive sex ed bill. (laughs) And to get that passed. And some, some Democrats try year after they year. They try. And we love it that they are willing to keep trying. Um, but it's definitely like baby, baby, baby steps when it comes to most of these things. So this particular legislative session, the big bad bill that passed and that we fought very hard was an 18-week abortion ban. Um, there was actually two abortion bans passed. Mm-hmm. One um, was a Down syndrome ban. And this had been proposed the year before. It didn't make it through the process. Um, it got a lot of pushback. Well, and the, the year before, right? Like the, the, the woman, it was a woman that proposed Oh, yeah. It's always a woman, by and, the way, because the the powers that be behind the scenes yes. know that they won't even get. It won't even get They have to get a woman to be the bill sponsor. Do you just want to slap her? Are you kidding? You have a uterus. (laughs) So, but, but, so the, so the, the initially last year before this past this year and even this year, she said, uh, 
Yeah, this even if we pass this, it's not constitutional. It's going to get held oh, yeah, up in they'll courts. Admit it. Like we, their own lawyers admit it. Like we they have created, to put a memo in there. We created a a specific body in the legislature last year that's that's specifically there so we don't pass unconstitutional <laughs> shit that costs taxpayers hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars for the state to fight this crap in federal court because we know it's not going to win and yet we pass it and anyway. they do it anyway so that's what they did this year <laughs> so the down syndrome bill passed however because they knew it was unconstitutional they put what they it's called a trigger clause mm-hmm. so the bill doesn't actually go into effect it just sits on the books with the contingency that if a court somewhere that applies to utah ever says that it's it can be constitutional to well, ban abortion for Down syndrome, then the law will go into and effect. And that one specifically mentions there's a case out of Georgia, I think, with a similar bill that was passed a year or two ago that's in the court system right now. That's the particular case they've been watching. Yeah. So there have been other bills passed and yeah, then they get fought in court. So that one happened, it passed, but it's just sitting there. So there was only kind of so much we could do. The 18 week ban was, is a much bigger deal because it applies to more people. Um, like most. <laughs> and, um, and it, I mean, it's an out and out ban. So they, um, proposed the 18 week ban. It does have exceptions. Um, Let me and guess, rape and incest. Rape, incest, and then some like life of the mother and brain abnormality in the fetus. Um, however, the, we, this is where it's really discouraging. So we actually had dozens of fetal maternal medicine doctors who work for the U and Intermountain Healthcare, write, call, visit with, testify in hearings against this bill. And they didn't care. They they did that last year when our stupid legislature passed the bill that required them to anesthetize anesthetize fetuses. There's not even a procedure. It It doesn't even exist. It's not medical. Yeah. And so you get, it's very frustrating because these legislators are not physicians. There's a few physicians here and there in the legislature, but most of them are not physicians and they don't understand medical practice (laughs) or Science or women's bodies, <laughs> or don't know that they're pregnant. At Some of them yeah. don't know the difference between a penis and a vagina, <laughs> and yet they will refuse to actually listen to the medical experts, the physicians who are dealing with these situations every day. And that's what's insanely frustrating to see that happen, and and to see the way the legislators are so arrogant, really. In, in their decisions to move forward to pass these types of bills. And so it did pass. It passed in the House and the Senate and was signed by the governor. And we immediately filed a lawsuit. So, yay. <laughs> so you that was really like, like telling somebody that it's like sunny outside and then being like, no, it's actually raining, even though it's sunny outside. You and half. You and seriously, like what? Eight states have out and out abortion bans right now. In the so, books? so it's pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, it's. I think it's eight or nine states this year only. So we're talking about 2019 legislative sessions only since January. There have been bans passed. Utah's is actually the least restrictive, which is kind of ironic. Like you can't have one as soon as the instant you're pregnant. Yeah. And and who knows that they're pregnant the instant they're pregnant? No one. No one. If there's any question, by the way, you can thank Brett Kavanaugh. 
Oh. Yeah. And, and, and so Trump's nomination for the Supreme Court. I think when you talk about all of this, it goes back to the climate that we're in and that this has been really like a decade or two in the coming. Mm-hmm. So uh, over the past 10, especially years, but 10, 20 years, there's been increase and increase and increase in what's called a trap law. So trap laws are targeted restrictions against abortion providers and or regulations could be targeted anyway, but they basically are laws passed that decrease access. So it's like it's passing a law. So here in Utah, we have several. One is there's a 72 hour waiting period. So if a woman is pregnant and she wants to get an abortion, she has to, let's say, call Planned Parenthood and ask about it. And you have to say, well, first you have to do an informed consent session and that this actually just recently changed too. So now they have to do an online module where you go to this website and you watch a series of informational things. You sign it at the end. You have that. Then you have to come into the clinic, make an appointment and do an informed consent session with like usually with a nurse. And that's where you get some state mandated stuff read to you. I mean, we also genuinely, obviously any medical procedure doctors, need to provide information to make sure someone fully understands what they're doing. That is standard medical practice. Like no doctor is going to perform a medical procedure without making sure they are right. They generally don't even prescribe you medication. Understands what they're doing. However, the state mandates certain information to be said in that. And it's not all medically accurate. So that's this, that has to happen. Then you have to wait. Can the doctor say like, if there's some fact that they have to say, can they say, but, this is required. So they'll say this is what's required by the state, usually. And, and then they'll, they'll say, read no, the statement. The eye roll. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, I've never sat in one of those. I don't know exactly how they're saying it, but I know that they'll say, like, this is what I have to read because of the state. Um, and if it's something that feel, you know, if the doctor doesn't feel comfortable, if, if they feel like it's not totally accurate, then they'll probably correct it. So our physicians, our nurses... They want our patients to understand what they're doing and to make the best decision for them. That is the bottom line. So then you, once you've done this informed consent session, then you have to wait 72 hours. It's, so, like when, it's like when you used to have to go to counseling and then wait 30 days before you could get a divorce because everyone that wants a divorce has already figured out they're yeah, not going to Yeah, well, that's still, uh, I think... They got, it's a, a waiver. No, There's a class. It, no. Oh, did they get rid of it? That la- last session or two sessions ago, they got rid of it. That so was now, post my divorce. Well, I had to take the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, well, you should have waited. I to had get to your take divorce. the class, and then I think. Well, yeah. we side. Well, and kid, but, there's there's stuff that you have to do with kids, and I think that's important when there's kids mm-hmm. involved. But like you have, you used to have to wait thirty days to get. I a think divorce. it was a ninety day waiting yeah. period, even. So anyway, this is a seventy two hours that you have to then wait. So basically. The assumption here is that a woman or a person who is pregnant hasn't already decided. Like <laughs> it's it's saying that like oh you need you need three you're gonna more get days. all this information and you need to sit on it because your guilt's gonna take over and you're gonna realize that you're making a horrible life decision. Yeah, and there have been after that law was passed, which was several years ago, there was actually a study done from some researchers out of California who studied our in waiting period because this has popped up in several states and they found that the vast majority of women 
do not change their mind. <laughs> and that that 72 hour waiting period actually causes a barrier to access. So imagine you are, some people don't find out they're pregnant until 12 weeks. Like they don't have necessary symptoms. They didn't get morning sickness. They didn't realize, you know, there's so, they have irregular periods. There are so many circumstances where a person may not realize they're pregnant. I have a neighbor that went to the hospital because she wasn't feeling well and she gave birth. Exactly. That she happens. No, she was pregnant. <laughs> well, there are people months. that get pregnant that have, that are on birth control. Exactly. And so there's so many circumstances where you might not realize you're pregnant until a little bit later. And then, so you find out you're pregnant, then you have to make this decision. So you decide, you call, you go through this whole process. This whole process is tacking on like a week and sometimes two weeks to that process of when you can actually get that procedure. Because again, there are two places in the entire state yeah, that's what I can say. And, that and, you can get an abortion, Planned Parenthood and one other clinic, and they're both in Salt Lake City. So if you don't live in Salt Lake City, that means you're traveling. you're traveling. And that means you have to get childcare. And that means you have to take time off work. And if you have to travel and then come back, that's like, it just adds all of these barriers. And then we have a busy clinic that can't you can't necessarily get an appointment the day you call so so there's often about a week from the time that you can make that appointment to when you're actually going to come in and and our clinic staff at our metro clinic that provides abortion services are amazing and they are so compassionate and they really care and if they know that someone is pushing up against you know those weeks and and that they're getting later on when they will do everything they can to try to like get somebody in as soon as possible but there's there's physical limits and you know, there's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many days a doctor can be there. And so all of these artificial barriers just push women. It pushes the abortions actually later into pregnancy and, in, and for completely unnecessary reasons. And they're way do you more think dangerous. That it's determined. I mean, do you think that that's an intentional thing? Absolutely. It yes. Is. So basically the strategy of, anti-abortion activists is to chip away. So Roe v. Wade passed in the 70s. And for a few years, it was pretty just like, okay, there's abortion now. It was pretty accessible. Um, Clinics started popping up legitimately. And it became something that I think pretty quickly people took for granted. But over, you know, through the 80s and then especially when you got into the 90s, they started getting really creative because they're like, oh, we're not going to be able like this is constitutional now. We can't just like overturn. It was the something. rise of the evangelical movement in the yeah. political landscape. There's some really great documentaries to talk about some of this. One is Trapped. There's another one um, called Birthright. There's one called. Uh, oh, gosh, I forgot what it's called, but it's on Netflix. Um, anyway, that talk some about the history and, and some of this stuff. So. I mean, definitely if someone's interested in some the history, they can look into more into that. But basically, trap laws have chipped away at access. And so what that has left is that we have Utah, which has two abortion clinics. You have, I think there's maybe six or more states. I wish I knew exactly the number that only have one mm -hmm. clinic. You have Missouri that right now there's one clinic left in Missouri in St. Louis. And it almost shut down last week because... Not only did they pass an abortion ban in Missouri, but the state licensing, the health and human services, I'm not sure exactly what they call it in Missouri, but they were tr trying to revoke the license of that clinic so that it would have to shut down. And they had to sue. They got an emergency temporary restraining order that's leading to an injunction. So the clinic is still open. But that was, I mean, it was literally like hours away from becoming the first state in the country without 
an open abortion clinic. Well, and you have the laws like in Alabama where they're targeting, they're they're going after the physicians. They're making it so, no, you can have an abortion if you're a woman, but if you're a physician that performs one, we'll take your license away and we'll stick you in prison. Another interesting tidbit is that Utah Planned Parenthood actually didn't even provide abortions until 2011. Wow. Which is pretty surprising. And it wasn't because we were against doing it, but we actually just didn't have to. There were other providers in the state who were doing it. And we were like, cool, like, we don't need to do it. If we have all these other people who are, you know, it means that we don't have to go, you have to set up another clinic. We don't, you know, we didn't have the infrastructure in place at that time. And what happened is that over the course of several years, as all these trap laws were getting passed, um, more and more physicians were like, I can't do this anymore. And so it became much more difficult to be an abortion provider because of certain licensing requirements and these trap laws that the legislature is passing. And so at that point, Planned Parenthood was like, okay, we got to, we got to start doing this so that the women of Utah, the people of Utah are continued to people have access. So now we are the only clinic doing it um, beyond really the first trimester. So um, there's one other clinic in Salt Lake, but they only can do it pretty early on. So, so what do you, cause look, Planned Parenthood isn't, I know we spend a lot of time on abortion and it's a, it's a really important topic. It's a hot topic. And it's a very important service that, that basically only you guys provide in the state of Utah, but you, that's such a small part of what you guys do. Mm-hmm. How, like, how do you, can you, it's the best way to put this, how, how do you, what do you tell someone that wants to come into Planned Parenthood um, that, that, that how, do they call to get an appointment? Do mm-hmm. they just walk in? Like, yeah, so they... there's a few options if you want to come to Planned Parenthood for healthcare. Um, we do have a website, ppau.org is the Utah website. You can also just go to PlannedParenthood.org if anyone's listening outside of Utah and, and you can find a clinic nearest you from there. Peter in Ireland. Um, <laughs> I don't think they have Planned Parenthood. We don't have Planned Parenthood in Ireland. But, Although abortion is legal in Ireland. That's true. Finally, just Finally. Um, anyway, so you can go to the website. There's tons of info on the website. PlannedParenthood.org website, which our website kind of is a sis- little sister of, mm-hmm. has amazing resources when it just comes to information. Like there is so much info on there about all different types of birth control, about STIs, about relationships, about lots and lots of stuff. So definitely recommend website as a resource. Um, you can call a, um, our number. We have, if you could just call actually 1-800-230-PLAN, that is like the national number that will get you to the right place if you call that. So when you get connected to our Utah call center, they can help you with making an appointment here in Utah. Um, they can answer a lot of questions, um, but they are not medical providers themselves, so they wouldn't be able to answer like super, super specific questions, but they can answer a lot of your questions and or connect you with somebody who can tell you more. And But most of the time, they're going to encourage you to come in. We do walk-in appointments. Um, you can come in for like an STD test. You don't need an appointment. If you, my understanding, and again, I'm not the one who's taking the phone calls, but I do get to hear them sometimes. And, um, if you're having like symptoms, like if you are having symptoms of an STI or you suspect you are, I think they'll usually encourage like call and they'll make sure they get you in to be seen for just a test. You guys, you can just walk in and you'll get a test pretty quickly. Um, for a birth control refill, 
um, or a birth control appointment, you can often just walk in. You don't have to make an appointment. If you want to get a pap smear, call and make an appointment. Two um, weeks. That's how long it is. It is typically about two weeks. So we are busy. I mean, That's our... That's not bad, though. Have you clinics, tried to make an appointment oh, with a regular... When I was trying to make business? just my, like, yearly physical type of appointment, it was, like, months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, OBGYNs take a long time. Well, OBGYNs specifically yeah. because they're obstetrical, but even just a regular yeah, gynecologist... Yeah, just like a GP or even just, like, your regular, like, family doc who can do a gynecological visit. You're still three, four months it's out. It's months. So Planned Parenthood is about two weeks, but there are a lot of things you can just walk in and do. So, um, if you have any doubt, just call. They're super nice on the phone. They're also, we have bilingual staff at all of our clinics, Spanish, English. And They're if really nice. any other language that somebody speaks, we can get a translation service in there to help provide care. Um, we have clinics in, well, we have a clinic in Salt Lake City, in West Valley City, in South Jordan, in Ogden, in Logan, in Orem, and in St. George. So, so those... Nothing in Manti. <laughs> no, no, not in Manti. What about in Canab? Because those polygamists should really. Canab, no, but St. George, you can get to St. George pretty That's quick. That's true. There are a it's, lot, it's of, that, a lot nice. of them go there. Yeah, because St. George is at the bottom, you know, so like mm-hmm. sort of at the top. Like you. Yeah, what? I mean, it's we, we are where the big population Just pockets Mike are. Mike Noel, go to St. George if you need that vasectomy, dude. <laughs> so I think that's, I don't know if they don't do vasectomies in St. George. Sorry. <laughs> Mike Noel, when you're up for the next come for, up the, here for the special to... session in, in, in the summer, please stop reproducing. It's undoubtedly going to happen. <laughs> Just head over to the Salt Lake Clinic; they'll get you taken care of, buddy. So, but yeah, so our call center though connects to all of our clinics, and they can they can help folks out. But um, they yeah, I think that I mean they're really great. Like, what about if people want to help? Because obviously, you guys have yeah. a lot. You guys have a lot of volunteer stuff, right? Yeah. So our volunteer program in Utah is all advocacy based. So some Planned Parenthoods across the country have like a clinic escort or they have folks that can volunteer in the clinics. We do not do that here. There's not really a need. We don't have like hordes of protesters outside our clinics that require somebody to walk them to the door. We're not in Missouri. Um, Which, yeah, I'm grateful for because how miserable are you already when like you... Anyway. Yeah. So that's really a great thing about Utah. I mean, we do get protesters occasionally. Um, but, and I will say that I do feel like that has ramped up a bit. I think in the current political climate, there has been an uptick in protesters and, and online type behavior <laughs> from folks. But, but overall, Utahns tend to be pretty polite um, and somewhat non-confrontational. So that is good. Um, so we don't have clinic escorts, but our volunteers do a lot of community outreach. So if you're a Planned Parenthood volunteer, you will come to a training, which is about a half day, like five, six hours with food and breaks and fun stuff. And um, and you'll learn a lot about what Planned Parenthood does and a lot about um, the kind of work that we do. And then you'll be asked to usually just table at events. So we're like at the farmer's markets, we're at festivals, we're at Pride Fest, we're at the street markets, um, a lot of that kind of stuff. And then they also, we have just kind of like, like all those fun buttons you see, mm-hmm. volunteers make those. Um, so we, we have volunteers who will come in and make buttons for us. We put together safe sex kits, um, things like that. So that is the, the bulk of the volunteer work here, but you don't have to be a volunteer to get involved. We also have a really amazing, fun program called the Birds and the Beehive, yeah. which is our ambassador program. So that is really the first level of engagement. And that is you just sign up. It's 
pretty low and like you can kind of make it what you want to make it. Um, if you go to our, oh, I didn't explain this. So we kind of technically have two sides of the organization. Um, one is the healthcare side mm-hmm. and one is the advocacy side. And the advocacy side is like the pink political stuff. And so we actually have a separate website and that is PPACUtah, PPACUtah.org. So that stands for Planned Parenthood Action Council. And that is a 501c4. It's like tax designation, but it allows us to do political work. So like all of our social media is actually called the Planned Parenthood Action Council and not Planned Parenthood Association of Utah. So anyway, to get into some nitty gritty, most of you'll just see like pink and blue and everyone <laughs> thinks it's all the same. But when it comes to websites, if you go to ppacutah.org, that is where you can sign up to be part of the Beehive. And you'll get a little care package in the mail even. We mail out some stuff and you'll get a little patch or stickers or whatever we have at the moment. Um, And you'll get specific emails. So this is where if you're a member of the Birds and Beehive, you're an ambassador. We really want you to really understand what we're doing and to be able to take action. And that means that during the legislative session, we send out an email at least once a week. And you're getting like all the play-by-play of what's happening up on the hill and and who you should contact and who you should call and who you should be talking to, you know, to fight these bad bills. We're going to let you know who you should vote for when it comes to the elections, who we're going to endorse, who is friendly to our causes. And so that you know, like which candidates are the best. We're going to ask people to come out and canvas for candidates. You know, every election cycle, we get involved in certain elections. And this year is a little bit of a lower year. Being 2019, but it, there is a. If you live in Salt Lake City, we have a big mayor's race yes, happening. Yes, we do. So we will. <laughs> once the um, we don't endorse during the primaries, but once we get through the primary, we'll endorse a candidate and we'll be ask people to get involved in that. We really encourage folks to register to vote. Um, we will we register people to vote um, at events a lot of the times. We're also this year. There's actually a plug for another organization. It's called Voterize. Um, and they, their sole goal is to increase voter registration. And so we are supporting them in that goal and we send people to them and they're going to, you'll see them at the farmer's market. You'll see them all over the place. They usually wear these like lime green <laughs> t-shirts. Um, so all over pride. Yeah. So <laughs> if register to vote, you know, if you do nothing else, make sure you're registered to vote and then vote. That is the most powerful thing you can do is to vote. Um, but the, the point of getting involved with Planned Parenthood is we want people to understand what we do. We want people to understand that we are here to protect your rights, to decide the life that you want to live and that reproductive rights are a really important part of everyone's life. I mean, we all got here somehow (laughs) and most people have, you know, are sexual in their lives. And so you want to be prepared for that. Um, and we want people to understand that we are an integral part of the healthcare safety net. Um, we are here for a lot of people who don't have anywhere else to go. Like they don't have other healthcare options. If Planned Parenthood wasn't here, there wouldn't be other places for them to go. There's not the kind of structure in place in our medical system to provide care. Planned Parenthood sees 47,000 patients every year in Utah. It's a lot of patients. It's a lot of patients. And 
37,000 of those patients are getting Title X subsidized care. So that means that, you know, they're not having to pay the full cost of that if they don't have insurance. And that means that, you know, an 18-year-old can come in and get her birth control. That's like a whole city. That's like my whole city, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Well, you you were talking about appointments and what you can expect. And just, I've only been in once. I went and helped my daughter pick up her birth control and she totally forgot that she needed it. Um, But you walk in it's not creepy. There are, it's just like it's any other doctor's office. office. Mm-hmm. Like you walk in and there are parents with their kids playing on the floor. There are old people, young people, boys, girls. Like, don't be afraid. Yeah. Cause it's not, you just walk in and it looks like any other doctor's <laughs> office that I've ever been to. I don't think you guys have a lot of fish tanks and I know that some no, we do. have no fish tanks, but other than that, it's pretty we'll much get a, a doctor's with, office with a fish tank. So. <laughs> but yeah, yeah like, it, well, you don't just, see a lot of little kids, so we don't need Nemo. It's true. We don't, we only see, uh, people once they reach reproductive age. Right. So, but you we're not see seeing little kids there because but the they'll be there with their parents. Yeah. They'll be, we, I see, Babies in the clinic. I see toddlers coming with their moms. Um, I hear them sometimes <laughs> crying. So we have, and it just solidifies the women that are like, "Nope, this is not. I need the birth control I now. I don't control. want one of those." I know. I mean, I will say, as somebody who's had children, God, I'm so grateful for my IUD <laughs> because I don't want to have another child. <laughs> Same. Right. And so, thank goodness for birth control. Yes. We have one last question for you. Yes, please. You live in Utah by choice. I do. <laughs> I actually really love Utah. Good. So, this, so this, good, this should this be a, a good question, question. then. Mm-hmm. Um, so our podcast is obviously about Utah. Uh, we ask all of our guests this. What's one thing that you would tell someone visiting the state of Utah they had to do before they left? Go in the mountains. Go on a hike. I'm a big hiker. I love the mountains. I... Um, I didn't grow up around mountains. I grew up in Ohio and the trees and the woods. And when I first came to Utah, I was a little like, I mean, I had grown up visiting here, but when I moved here, I was like, oh, I miss all the trees, but I can't fathom not living here now. I love, I really love Utah. I think that we have it. We have quirks and <laughs> we have some frustrating things. <laughs> um, if I could clean up the air and kick out, 70% of the legislature, I would, it would be perfect. <laughs> um, the, first one, the first one will definitely come before the second one. I just wish it was more representative of the population. Like, I don't have a problem with having white male legislators sure. in the office mm-hmm. because there's there people are that are white males. White males. I what? love white males. <laughs> but there should also be Asian males <laughs> and black show. males and lots of women and, you know, young people. I, and if, people. if my mm-hmm. estimation is correct, about half the people in the state are ladies. Yes. And so I would think it would make sense mm-hmm. for half the legislature to be ladies, but you know. Yeah. And talking about racial diversity, as you're saying, I mean, like we have a huge Latinx population mm-hmm. in Utah and that is not represented. And a Pacific Islander population and, yes. that's that's not represented at all to no. my knowledge. So. so I think that we have a long way to go. We have a lot of work to do when it comes to getting a more representative legislature. And that means... You. I mean, that means every voter. And, vote. and it's, I can't stress, I guess I would say that 
go on a hike to increase your self-care and feel good. And that's how I make myself feel good. (laughs) But also you need to vote and you need to vote in these local elections. And I think that if anyone doesn't listen to anything else I say today, (laughs) listen to this. And that is vote in your local legislature, legislative elections, your start then we city start council. city councils like city council people are the ones who then go on to run for the legislature. So all of those small, what we think of as small um, campaigns actually have a huge impact on all of our day to day lives because those are local elections that impact you. In fact, Riverton City, going to call out Riverton City, their city council totally overstepped any bounds of what a city council is and does and passed an anti-abortion resolution, which actually doesn't mean anything. There's no abortion happening in Riverton city anyway. (laughs) Um, But they just took it upon themselves to make it clear that Riverton city was anti-abortion. And I find that so disturbing. And those Riverton city council people should be voted out. If you live in Riverton, vote them out. Yeah, Pay attention to who they are. You have just four over, votes. We in just your overturned almost the entire council. This is a brand new council mm-hmm. because the last one we voted them all out because there you were have a lot four of votes in your house, Jeremy. Vote them out again. Yeah. So vote in your city councils. Vote in your state legislator legislatures. State legislatures have huge amounts of power, mm-hmm. and they are gerrymandered up the wazoo, and so it's very frustrating. However. It's a big deal. So make sure that you know who your legislator legislator is. Go to the state legislative website and find out who your legislator is. Make sure that you understand what they're doing. Contact them. Call them. The other great thing about these local legislators is they don't have a big staff. This isn't like our federal congressmen or senators. They have one or two people maybe. Are, are in D.C. who are barely here, who you only talk to a staff. These legislators personal cell phone numbers are usually listed on the state legislative website. You can text them. You can become buddies with your state (laughs) legislator. And a lot of them will do house parties. There are state legislators in our state who will, they like will do a regular event at their own house. So they want to hear from their constituents. They care about their local constituents. And so get to know your legislator. And vote them out if they're doing shitty stuff. Get a better legislator in there. Run for office. I mean, like, the other thing Planned Parenthood does is, you know, we have taken ambassadors and helped them run for office. Um, and there are people who got inspired because they were a volunteer or they did this and that. And then they got involved in a campaign and then they're like, you know what? I can run for office. And we would love to see more of that. So get involved in these local politics. And um, at the very least, find out how your legislator is and vote. Well, Katrina, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a really fun conversation. Thank you for having me. So I think that's going to do it for the night. Um, Thanks again to our guest. Uh, It was a fantastic discussion. Um, Yeah. If you if you stuck around and yeah. listened to the whole... I don't know what else to say. (laughs) You're so bad. Get educated. Yeah. Plant Parenthood. Volunteer, sign up, use the services, men and women. Put condoms on. Wear condoms, motherfuckers. Put I don't condoms care. On. Look, I don't care whatever protection you have, wear a fucking condom. Or if you're a woman, make the dude wear a condom if you're doing a dude. Um, and if you're a dude doing another dude, 
Both of you wear condoms. <laughs> it's true. Just wear fucking condoms. <laughs> funny. It's not hard to wear a condom. I'll show you. I will give you. If you hey, feel hey, uncomfortable. Again, just saying again, Planned Parenthood is the largest um, supplier of services, health services to gay men in America. So and, and there you go. Look, if you're going to do anything with your dick, put a condom on it. That's all I'm saying. The only I time think Chris was going to volunteer to give you lessons, folks. I, I am. I am. If you are on, do you want to do an Instagram live? <laughs> do we have any? Bananas? You need a fluffer. Do we have any bananas? No, upstairs? you need a fluffer. You can or a cucumber. I actually don't know if I have any condoms in my house. <laughs> I'll have to ask Sean when she gets I home. I bet Sean has I'm, some. If Sean has, didn't a, get any of the, this weekend at Pride. Usually, <laughs> there's a couple that like are left over. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're all getting used up. Um, <laughs> use a condom, people. Please use condoms. Um, no matter what other birth control you have, condoms are, are the single most effective fucking way to prevent disease. Um, and if you're if you're breaking a condom, um, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> they're really hard to break. Jeremy's face. <laughs> <laughs> they're really hard to break. Um, but if you have managed to stick around this <laughs> like, long. Why would you even do that? I'm just saying, if you manage to stick around this long, you should share this episode. Um, that's what helps us the most. Uh, I haven't started begging for money yet, uh, like <laughs> so many other podcasts I listen to do. Um, we do this because we love Utah, um, and we just want to share uh, what we think is awesome. Um, so follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram at TNU Podcast, and then the new Utah Podcast on Facebook. Uh, at I said at TNU Podcast, right? Because it like went out of my mouth and I don't remember <laughs> if I said it right. So it's at TNU Podcast. Um, watch, uh, watch Instagram for uh, me putting a condom on something. Um, it will not be my own penis because um, that would get kicked off of Instagram. Um, they're Most pretty, likely, yes. They're pretty quick with that stuff. Uh, but perhaps I a, could a, cover it with eggplant emoji. A cu- <laughs> <laughs> perhaps a cucumber or a banana or something of that nature. Some phallic object. Um, maybe a giant dick-shaped lollipop. Um, I changed the calendar. I just want to. Congratulations. Your job's done for another month. Dr. Bray reminded me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so share the episode. If you uh, want to be on the show, reach out to us. Uh, go to our website, thenewutah.com. Uh, we'll also have a video there of me putting a condom on something random <laughs> at some point. Uh, who knows when that's going to be, but we'll make a video. Uh, and um, that's it. I don't think I did. I miss anything. Thanks to Folk Hogan for making our music. And um, good night, kids. Use a condom for God's sake. Just fucking put one on your pecker. 